0: Welcome. Uh, my name is Adam Coleman. Um, originally from Denver, Colorado. Uh, joined the military. And just wanted a sense of purpose. Um, wanted to see the world like anyone else. Get out of the house. Why did you pick the Navy over any of the other branches? Uh, well, honestly, I didn't want to go into combat. You know, I knew I wanted to serve, but, but kind of a safe distance from, you know, just being on the battlefield. Kind of the person I was, I, I knew I was more technical, and and kind of able to do a lot of the. I like the ocean, you know. The ocean's pretty cool to be able to sail around the world. So uh, it just kind of fit me a little bit better. You're currently an officer, correct? Yeah, believe it or not, uh I like, joined enlisted in two thousand four. You know, went down to the map station with the local recruiter, you know, just around the block, you know. Um, went into the, the station and you know, then before I knew it I was down and literally getting on a plane in Chicago for us, Great Lakes, um, boot camp and then I did boot camp got out, I went to Japan my first tour. You know, I had a degree coming in the, the military so that helped. After that, uh, I just put in a pack. So you know, see myself kinda of being a, a leader and um, I'd like to grow as a leader. You know, my commanding officers approved and um, I got selected for commission in two thousand eight. Well I got selected two thousand seven I actually didn't graduate Oscar Canada School until two thousand eight. So um, you know, it was an interesting journey at that point, you know, obviously I gone to Great Lakes, gone overseas to Japan, came back home, got yeah, got in the car and made my way to Newport, Rhode Island, and did eight I think at that point, even twelve weeks of those Um I can all right kind of where I'm at you know just to kind of take everyone forward um, served as a surface warfare officer for a long time did about four years that but it really just wasn't me you know my heart hearts I wanted to kind of be writing and just photography which is kind of where my background is and uh, I put in another package and <laughs> I, I converted over to a different rate. Or a different MOS type uh, to be a public affairs officer, and it was just kind of taking it one tour at a time as a lot of folks do when they become a career military member. Doing um, at this point almost 17 years in, and you do just take it one tour at a time. Across all branches, you have to have a bachelor's degree to be an officer. So the question that I would ask you. What was it that you did when you were enlisted? When did the college piece come in for you? When were you actually going to college? Um, I was one of those kids came from a family that really um, put a lot of onus on education, so um, my parents were like, "Go get your degree. That's what you do after high school," Um, you know. But you know, obviously I got it, and um, I didn't know what to do with it, let's put it that way. So I ended up kind of, after college, ended up going to Miami to try to be a DJ of all things, and it just didn't work out for all these various reasons. Um, You know, that wasn't my forte. It wasn't my, that I wanted to do it. I wanted to try to take on, take on something that would have been um pretty tough but an exhilarating experience. But I kinda of flunked out in life at that point. And, um I had to join the military and really set myself back to square one. Um and so um thankfully Navy took me in. Um the enlisted path was kind of the quickest path for me. Um to get in and get myself straight. And um, you know it, it, so I had the degree, and then thankfully, they, they allowed me, you know, obviously, when you have a degree, got some higher education. I, I scored pretty well in the aptitude test and and basically had a degree already, so they, they kind of slated me for what my degree was in, which was So I became an enlisted journalist. Um, So kind of the stars aligned there. You know, at that point in my life, I probably would have taken anything. Could have been sonar attack. could have been yada, yada, yada. But I think, you know, thankfully, um, folks down there at the recruiting station just had enough insight into my background and, and made a couple calls, actually. You know, I'll never forget the classifier, they call them. They call them. I'm trying to call it up the schoolhouse and kind of being like, can this guy get a seat here? You know, because everything's based on seats. Um, you know, um, and yeah, I got it so, uh, after that, and then obviously, um, once I got in, I had the degree, so it was a little bit easier than to apply for commission. It was just a matter of paperwork. You needed to join the military to kind of get yourself in a and on a better path. Having been in for sixteen plus years, if you knowing what you know now, if you could go back and talk to that, you know, that eighteen year old kid. Uh, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, you know, I I always wonder that. You know, I think for me, I've done so many pivots that that I don't even think that that I that the path would look different. I think for me, knowing the passions I have now, I would have told my younger self to to follow maybe differently, mm-hmm. you know, and and to really find myself in, in my heart. You know, I think a lot of people in the military can say this. This might be a good pivot in this conversation for podcasts, but you know, I joined the military to start safety stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I joined, and I realized that so much of me was wanting to go help people kind of developing nations. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately it's hard to make a living. Mm-hmm. And by the time I already started my military career, we were already kind of communicating. going before I really started. And I still probably couldn't walk away from the military today, even as I get ready to retire. Can I go and just go and do um humanitarian work? Maybe right? you know, work for World World Health or something like that. You don't realize just maybe if I were to start younger, you know, got that internship whatever. Um, I think that's always a challenge is to commit to something at such a young age before you, life commits for you. You know, my my one moment to give it all up was go down and be a DJ. I failed. I got a second chance, you know, but but who's to say it wasn't just like getting my plane going to Africa and realizing I can't survive here. In some ways I'm glad for it. At least my failure would be domestically. I was able to just kind of return home and start over versus stuck in a bush somewhere. So I think like we're all we all face those risk calculus mm-hmm. and how far do we want to go to pursue? It's an outside our hearts. I mean, when we're younger. We're ready to give it all up. I think. where am right I now? Two, forty-one. as far as in the military. Two kids. You know the calculus is a lot less. Said something that made me want to ask this question. Veterans talk about the difficulty of their transition and what they had to do to help make that transition a lot more uh, smoothly, or or to recover from that transition. Being on the still a service member side of the house, what do you foresee? Maybe being some uh, difficulties or obstacles that you might have to overcome in that transition. I think for anyone it's just a matter of platforming yourself. And I think for me, even now, it's something I'm thinking through and it's almost like the same conversation I'm having with the eighteen year old self. So is the same conversation I'm having now with my older self. Whatever you want to platform yourself on, but can you you know, like you know, as I'm thinking through the different platforms, you know, maybe I'm more of a want to show the world my diversity of of experiences, you know, and be more of a executive somewhere, you know, or do I want to kind of narrow in and just, Hey, I, my MOS was this. So let me just take the easier out and be uh, a public affairs person at a different company. So I think it's important to journal about it. You know, i am doing a lot of internal journaling. Is it the, is it the job field? Is it the location? Is it the way I want to live my life? Unfortunately, money comes to be a lot of times too, so platforming takes that same risk calculus of, so, well, if I do public fare somewhere, maybe I get a good job, probably get a lot more uh, bites, but do I want to go down that path? Again, after ever doing it so long, you know, you almost want to start a new chapter, or so. That's the hill I'm going to be ready to climb. I definitely want to start a new chapter. Um, and I think it just is a matter of then connecting and showing the world that you can do it. Every veteran, you know, and feel free if people are reading this, or listening to this podcast, and I don't reach out. But I don't say I'm the expert. I'm not really a, a career expert. But as a communicator and a nonprofit leader, I pride myself on being really a a personal brand identity, kind of knowing, I try to help everyone that comes into my network to say, who are you and what's your why? And then how are you replicating that in everything you do? And I think that's the biggest thing that we all have to face is to be true to ourselves so that others see that in us. With PAO, is there in, in your time, whether you were enlisted or as an officer in PAO, is there a story that you covered that still sticks out to you today that impacted you? Yeah, for for us, you know, as a PAO, we mostly allow journalists to cover me. So, you know, for me, which is kinda cool, it's almost like, Hey, I'm with the media, um, and they're the ones that are fighting and grinding to get a new story. So one time I took CNN out to um one of our amphibious ships ones that carry the Marines off the coast of Okinawa. And so just a neat experience with them um, going on all of our landing. Seeing it through the eyes of someone that doesn't do that every day, you know, and, and they were doing live feeds from some landing craft. And just being like, we're here on this moving vessel. Um I'll never forget that. I'll never forget just, like, my job for three days was just to go out, have fun taking people around. You said something about, about serving. Enjoying the journey. How did that come about? Um, mixed between military and just the journey of life, you know. So I was on a deployment far east of being deployed out there. The far east. You see poverty places like Philippines and, and Thailand and all that stuff. and don't know the ninjas. And then in 2010, Earthquake hit, um and we were deployed out there to go help those people and we're just seeing all the need just saying at that moment, I'm not just going to go home and just be another foot on TV and, and do nothing. And I was like, I'm going to go do something. And 10 years later, we're still at it. Kind of like, uh, I think with that journey, you kind of look at everything that I've done. You know, the, the DJ thing flopped, mm-hmm. but the nonprofit thing, honestly... I could have just probably, I would have probably fought. And still, I'm not very good at it. But I'm so committed to helping people that we stay at it. You know, we build the the right level of programming and and just the right level of strategy to grow. But it takes, it's a hard effort. It's It's a tough effort. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, um, I just try to go out and make a difference every day. You know, tell me a little bit more about joining the journey and what it is. Yes, I know it's humanitarian, but what is it that you do? Yeah, well, just to kind of take take the the journey forward for yeah. In twenty ten, like I said, uh, the Haiti earthquake happened. Really was really just a watershed moment for me personally to want to do something for a really broken people And, and a lot of the people we saw there weren't just broken by the earthquake they were broken by years and years of poverty brought on by years and years of corruption um just you know the political system that didn't work other natural disasters that had gone on there and and so when i got there it was a, all that in one white man's syndrome going on. We're like, I, I can help you, too. you know. I'm gonna be the one that to really change their lives. I just committed to it, though. You know, and that's the thing I think we all find ourselves in the cross section of like, if we're gonna do it, let's go do it. And so, you know, for anyone that wants to start a nonprofit, you just gotta send in some documents to IRS. Form a board. Sometimes that can be the hardest part because you got to cast vision. You got to put something on paper that they can relate with. Um, uh, but luckily, I think with the military, you get a band of brothers, people will follow you into, into anywhere. And so I got just a couple folks that, that would agree to put their name on the dotted line and we, we off we went. And so, you know, I, after that, I basically raised some funds to go back to Haiti, you know. put in uh, military leave at the time, Um, you know, and did all the country clearance requests and all the the safety checks and security checks. Somehow landed in Port-au-Prince September 10th, um, 2010. I coordinated with uh, another nonprofit on the ground that was a Christian charity that was rebuilding houses. It seemed like they were pretty cool. They had a couple of churches all around kind of the local area. They seemed like a, a neat organization to link with. So it was just like, hey, can I volunteer with you? Basically, not under the auspices of, of kind of the, the charity at the time, but just kind of like as a, hey, I'm acting in be- on behalf of, of, of the mission and vision of the charity just to go and connect with others and live compassionately. But as I was down there, you know, we got a chance to go off grid a little bit. Um, I actually paid the, told the driver, was like, hey, take me over to this tent village. Tent villages, as far as the eye could see. Wow. Um, basically, all their houses were just decimated. You know, and so they were living out of basically tarps. Um, they, they didn't have anything except Samaritan's Purse mostly had given them a lot of these tarps. So they just kind of constructed out of whatever they could find roof, uh sheet metal and whatnot, cardboard, uh, little planks, wood planks. Um, and so uh I told the driver, I was like, Hey, let's go check out that tent village. You know, and so we went in there and we were like walking around, met kind of the village leader, and then I was like, well, these people definitely are need. Let me go. Could you guys use some food? You know, and of course I was like, Yeah and so uh I had like two hundred bucks Still saved from from actually my church at the time, um, the the sort of Bible study leader left when I told him I was going on this trip. He just basically handed me a, a, a lot of cash, essentially from the from the study group that had kind of collected some money, you know, kind of like passed the passed the offering. So I had this with me, and I just was like, "Could you guys use some some food?" And so I took that money, went down to the local market, purchased about. 20 pounds, roughly, of rice and beans, and then came back and worked with the leader and brought the kids into this little um, school that was actually built by Youth With a Mission. And then we sat everyone down and we started distributing everything. That's why. That, they, huh? That's youth with, youth with a Mission. Yeah, are? Okay. That's exactly who it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I, out of curiosity, you said you had about $200 in Haiti. Does $200 go further in Haiti than it does here? Um, yeah, it does. But unfortunately, and now you're getting waxing economics with you, but. Uh oh. Never mind. Really, unfortunately, they don't produce any of their own goods. In fact, there's a whole. History of having to import because the some previous administrations sort of flooded the market with U.S. Yeah. rights. Yeah. Um, and so it at a subsidized cost, really, when, when sort of like humanitarianism goes wrong. And so it really, um, affected and they it, over centuries too, they've been burning their forests to basically you know, pay, get, you know, natural resources for sale. So, unfortunately, their food costs are like through the roof. And, you know, so it's like, so yes, the dollar goes pretty far, but with inflation and food costs, it's not like you're buying a lot with that. It's not right. like I could feed people for 10 years yeah (laughs) yeah for sure you got enough to feed them for that day yeah i mean obviously in america what does that buy you like 10 pizzas you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so relatively speaking we ended up getting a lot out of it but long story short um we ended up adopting that village um the join the journey did and then just working through sort of um uh, partners on the ground, it's kind of that we found that we're willing to kind of go back to that village on our behalf. You know, since we had the the leader's name, the phone number, we were like, go talk to Pierre. Uh, Pierre's waiting for you. Typically. Okay. And they went there and then we started doing all the types of activities. Um, you know, a lot of them church related because that was kind of our thing. Um, but, Really where the, the organization took pivot to where it's now is we started giving micro out. Now, you know, especially when you're in some of these humanitarian situations, you're like, what is the, how can I truly help these people? That's what, you know, I asked myself. That's what, you know, I had the board at least ask. And, um, we decided we needed to do economic activities. We couldn't just give them a bunch of stuff. So, um, you know, basically, um, you know, we realized we had to we had to do something so they could be sustainable. Yeah. And so microloans was the way to do it and you know, obviously, you know, there's that's when you hear the word loans, you're like, well, you guys just starting a mini bank? Well in some ways yes, you know, especially in those kind of economies where you know, as you said, a $100 long way. Now, it does for a family of one, or not a family of one, an individual that has a family of five, and they're used to buying things, and they make $2 a day, right? Um, and instead of just using it to feed themselves that day, they buy a, an assortment of goods that then they can sell in the local market. Yeah, I think you're hitting on a lot of points that, that many people experience um, at some point in their lives. You know, for me personally, um, you know, going initially to the Far East um, was a wake-up call then. Um, you know, a lot of the countries, Philippines, um, I already had seen it more than, than I thought I had. And then when I went to Haiti, it was pretty bad as well you know so i wouldn't say it was as when i went to haiti then it wasn't as earth-shattering per se as it could have been but it was it was a realization that you know it's it's deep and it's entrenched in these places that that's the thing that broke me was that to see it replicated in yet another place and yet another moment in the CK. Where do I see this going? You know, we transition from purely humanitarian to microloans. And then at this point, it's just a matter of, um, you know, and anyone that does charity stuff is just a matter of impact. You know, how much impact. And if you're a business person, you kind of get this term, impact at scale. You know, and anyone can raise funds, go deliver it, see school, built, and then try to just do that and, and help people. So I think for us, what we're trying to decide, me, four people that are on the team, you know, for the amount of good that we do, the resource costs, and the sustainability costs of our own trajectory. Can we do it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and for right now I can, you know. Mm-hmm. Balance with work. But I do it all uh out of the goodness I don't want to say out of the goodness on my heart is that cliche, but I think you know, anyone that gets out of the military, like I said, it kinda you come to that realization of like do you pursue your dreams? Find something else. So I think all of us have to find that balance in, and I guess for you and for your listeners be transparent you know even with all this impact goodness I'm realizing I can't walk away from the military right now and and just land and, and be doing this full time you know I think we wanna we all want that dream though we want to do what we love full time and and you know I haven't given up yet though you know every day I find different mentors who give me a piece of advice here a piece of advice there in terms of want to, you know, make that difference 10, 30 fold. One of the things that I have had to work on, struggle with, grapple with and figure out is what is my identity? What do I believe and why do I believe it? I can make a choice and I don't have to ask anybody for permission or wait for somebody to direct me to do or not do something. So that has provided a whole lot of newness for me. Not only am I doing that, but I'm also doing what you're talking about, about figuring out what is my passion? What is my calling? What it, what am I here for? Then how do I go about doing whatever that thing is? Because you're taking you're a taking risk, whether it's calculated or not. You're taking a risk at what cost and for what cause and purpose. Yeah, power to you for what you're doing. I appreciate you doing this. No, this is good. It is good. And let me just end with one final thing. Cause I think you hit it. You know, at the end of the day, keep feeling what you love, whatever it takes. And, and however, you know, I think for your listeners and for you is just to ponder this, you know, especially sometimes your passion, especially when you make it your work, you can lose your passion. I'm sure you know. You know, like this podcast. I'm not gonna get off the ground. You know, I've got to do this. I got to make a logo. Uh, The website's broken. I'll tell you, it's okay to feel that. It's okay to feel exhausted. We all just need to find people to to keep us going. Number one, and and someone told me this once: celebrate the wins. And it's easy. It's easy to to think. It's easy not to do. You know, for me and and this thing here, it reminds me why we do it, even amongst all the challenges. So, um, you know, for those that have been on the journey, cheers to the 10 years we just did. You know, and we're going to keep going. Cheers to the next 10. See where it leads. Have a nice day.